Parshas Re'eh, living for him. In this week's Sedra, the Bnei Yisrael are commanded to fulfill one of the commandments of the Torah, one of the prohibitions that we find quite easy to fulfill. It's the Isser of Lo Tochlenu, you should not eat the blood of an animal. The Torah is warning the Bnei Yisrael that when they shecht an animal for eating, they should be careful not to consume any of its blood. Instead, Al Ha'etz Tishpichenu Kamayim, let it pour out of the animal onto the ground. Now, with all of our Yetzir Haras, and we have quite a number of them, it never entered our mind to eat blood. We have no appetite for such Avedas. And so we're surprised that when we read the next Pasuk, that there's going to be a great reward for keeping away from this sin. Lo tochlenu tavlach. Don't eat it in order that Hashem should do good to you. It means that if you don't eat blood, then you'll be zaycheh to good health and a long life and good times. And that's all included in He will do good for you. And not only you. Ubanecha acharecha. To your descendants as well. Your children and grandchildren will benefit from your Avaidis Hashem. Which Avaidis Hashem? Not eating blood. Now that's a puzzle to us, because why should you get a reward for not eating blood? Some people can't even look at blood. They faint when they see it. And even if you're from the less fainted heart, surely you wouldn't think of putting it too close to your mouth. If you would taste it, you might even vomit. So let's picture the scene. A man, let's say, is in the doctor's office and they have entered there a container of blood, a bag of fresh blood for our purpose, will imagine that it's blood of a behemoth and he passes it by on his way into the waiting room. It's nauseating to him and he turns his head away. He gags from it. Are we going to say that he will be rewarded and not only him, his descendants as well? It doesn't make any sense. Why does he deserve any reward at all? And so we have to look at a Gemara in Masech Makos and pay careful attention to the words there. It's talking about our Pasuk and it says there like this, Dam shel adam Blood which a person abhors, L'shem Shamaim, Gorem Tov Lo Ulbanav. If he separates from it, L'shem Shamaim, Gorem Tov Lo Ulbanav. Hmm, he's going to get a reward for him and for his children. Those two words, L'shem Shamaim, that's the key to the answer. Why aren't you quaffing down that blood? Because of the command of Hashem, that's why. Oh, it's L'shem Shamaim? Now we're talking. That's already a different story. You're doing it for Hashem, because He commanded so. And if that's the case, then goyrim tov lo ulbanav. You're going to deserve very big rewards. But actually, this answer is not acceptable to us at all, because it's not true. What kind of l'shem shamayim can a person have if he separates from blood? Dam is absolutely nauseating, and therefore, shamayim or no shamayim, you're not interested. And so the whole story is one big deception. Here, this hypocrite is saying, I am abstaining from blood because of Hashem's command. Kol nefesh mikem lo tochal dam. But actually, it's the furthest thing from his mind. He wouldn't be eating the blood anyhow. He's just saying words. And the answer is, that's exactly the point. It's what we call tziruf, an additional thought, an add-on. Certainly you wouldn't eat blood, it's disgusting. But if in addition to the disgust, you add a little bit of seichel and you say, look, I'm not eating it anyhow, so I might as well add also l'shem shamayim too. 
All you're doing is adding a thin layer of idealism, a little bit of l'shem shamayim, but that little addition is worth everything in the eyes of Hashem. That's the lesson the Torah is teaching you here. HaKadosh Baruch Hu wants your thoughts, however insignificant you think they are, because when it comes to thoughts, nothing is insignificant. In Shamayim, it's the motives that are the most important, the intent in the heart of the deed. And therefore, whatever you do is transformed tremendously by your mind. So much so that even to just add a thought, to overlay your action with a small motivation of L'Shem Shamayim, that's everything. And it's deserving of such a big reward that it's not enough for him. Zoichelo Ulvanov, his descendants, will be rewarded too. So we begin to see now that nobody should fear the accusation of hypocrisy when it comes to serving Hashem L'Shem Shamayim. You shouldn't feel it's not real, that you are a faker, because we see here how much it means just to add on that thought. And so, here's a man sitting down Shabbos at the Suda, and he says as follows, I'm sitting down now to eat L'Shem Shamayim, to celebrate that Hashem made the world in six days, and then he rested on Shabbos. So people cringe at that. What L'Shem Shamayim? You're hungry and there are good things on the table to eat? You can barely hold yourself back. And here you come along, you hypocrite, and you're talking about L'Shem Shamayim? And so the people are looking at you, and they're thinking that this man is an example of falsehood, of pious hypocrisy. They take you for a fool. What they don't realize is that you are the Chacham. That little bit of thinking, that very thin layer of L'Shem Shamayim, makes you the wise one. There's going to be a very big difference in the world to come between the honest people who didn't want to be the hypocrites and ate only L'shem mitzvah appetite and those people who also ate with an appetite, but they added on an intention of L'shem shamayim, even though it was only a small addition in their actual intention. Now you have to know that what you're hearing now, this principle of Tziruf, opens up for us a panorama of opportunity. Our entire lives become a canvas, a white canvas upon which we can add on the vibrant colors of L'Shem Shamayim and thereby transform our lives into this world and our place in the world to come. Everything becomes different. Not only your life becomes different, you become a different person. There's a statement in the Medrash that Lo titnu mitzvahs el l'tzorev bahen es habriyas. The commandments were given for the purpose of purifying people. It's a tremendous statement that should have a resounding impact on our minds. The mitzvahs were given only to purify us. Now, how does that work? In a number of ways it works. It says, V'asitem es kol mitzvotai, And you should do my commandments. kedushim lelokechem. And you will become holy. Anyone who does a mitzvah has to know that the mitzvah is bestowing upon him a veneer, a covering of kedusha. When he does another mitzvah, he makes it a thicker layer. The more a person lives and performs mitzvahs, it becomes a more dense layer on him, and finally it penetrates beneath the surface, and he becomes Kula Kadosh. It's like painting wood with a certain kind of lacquer. At first, it's only on the surface, but after a while it penetrates more and more deeply. The paint is of such quality that the oils and the pigments can penetrate. And the wood is like a sponge, and it draws it in. And after a while, it becomes one mass of pigment, of beautiful colors. And so the kedusha of the soul of a Jew, at first, is a superficial layer. When he does more mitzvahs, so v'yitem kedoshim, it's another layer. 
And then another one. That's why every time you do a mitzvah, you say, Asher kidishano b'mitzvah He's making us Kaddish. When you wash your hands to eat, you become more Kaddish because you're doing a mitzvah. When you keep Shabbos, it's more Kedusha. Any mitzvah has that effect upon you. And finally, you become saturated with Kedusha through and through. However, we must know there is another area of Kedusha which is even more important. And it's a most neglected area. Actually, it's easiest of all things to accomplish. And that's why it's such a great loss. It's a Tsar Godel, Nebuch. Nebuch, a great pity on mankind that they do not know this secret. And that's the secret of Kavana L'Shem Shamayim. You're expending the efforts anyhow. So you might as well do it with the attitude of L'Shem Shamayim. It doesn't cost anything. And it's going to transform your act into something entirely different. What kind of transformation? Listen to the words of the Mesilus Yisharim. He says in the Hagdama that it's nimeset umitovevet. When you do acts without intent, l'shem shamayim, it's repulsive and abominable. You hear that? Nimeset umitovevet. Now we have to realize that it doesn't mean what you think. There's still reward even for nimeset umitovevet. Absolutely. But compared to what it could have been, it's repulsive. And that's a tragedy. Alas, for the multitude of good deeds that are not done with intention, with kavanah salev, because thereby a man loses the great reward of serving Hashem in the way that he's looking for. Let's say you go to shul. Of course you come to shul. There's no question. And you'll put on a talus. You can't be without a talus in shul. You put on tefillin too. You can't be without tefillin. You can't refuse to stand up by Shmona Ezrei. You do everything. But you're doing it automatically, and it's lacking in the inner achievement of L'Shem Shamayim. Imagine if you would add the thought, I am walking to shul now in order to serve Hashem. You're going anyhow. So what do you lose by saying it? And you gain everything. Everyone else is walking. They're trudging along out of habit. But you're walking on the clouds. You're ahead taller than everyone else. Because intent is one of the most important ingredients in the nobility of your achievements. How many times do you hand a quarter to a poor man and you do it because you can't refuse? You're embarrassed. You see him coming, so you try to walk around the corner fast. But another one comes from the other side. You're trapped. It's a holdup. You have to give both of them now. Now imagine what would be if you'd put a little thought into it. You're trapped anyhow. So while you're fumbling around in your pocket for two quarters, you think... I'm giving him this coin because Elokechem Ohev Anim. HaKadosh Baruch Hu loves the poor. And I am his emissary to help this man. It's not true. That's not the primary reason now. But the little tzidof of your mind changes everything. It's an entirely new mitzvah now. You're transforming that deed into something great. People give tremendous amounts of money for charity, but in very many cases it's done only to please somebody else, not because they are motivated by a desire to serve Hashem. They just can't refuse. You know how much money goes down the drain because of that? Now I say down the drain. Nothing goes down the drain, chas v'sholem. Hashem doesn't take away reward from anyone. He'll pay that man too. But it's nothing compared to the greatness of taking your money and doing what your own conscience tells you to do. That's what HaKadosh Baruch Hu wants. Now if we start looking at our lives, we see a gold mine. Many gold mines of achievement, of wealth. 
There's no end to opportunities. And therefore, it's a pity that life goes by with many such gold mines unutilized and unexploited. What would you lose if you had done these things with a little bit of L'Shem Shamaim too? Nothing is added in effort, and it won't cost you any more either. And the more you practice it, the more it seeps down into your neshama. It starts off as a superficial thought, superficial words. But just like the Kedusha of the Maasim Mitzvah itself, the Kavana L'Shem Shamaim eventually penetrates through and through. In the Shulchan Aruch, or Chaim, there's a whole simon, an entire chapter, devoted to this one subject. It's remarkable how many people don't even know there is such a chapter. It's a simon titled, Shekol Kavanotav Yu L'Shem Shamayim. That whatever you do should be L'Shem Shamayim. Kol means everything. Everything. You're eating, you're sleeping, you're working in the office, or you're in the kitchen. Now, one of the reasons this chapter is ignored by so many people is because it seems to be impossible. L'Shem Shamayim. And it should be coal, everything we do? Forget about it then. That's for very big people, we think. For tzaddikim. Maybe one day after I retire, when I have time to dedicate myself fully to avoid this Hashem. Maybe then. But we're learning now that that's all wrong. Because what HaKadosh Baruch Hu wants, at the bare minimum, is siruf. He wants that thought that you are adding on. He wants you to think. If you're eating, nobody is asking you to do anything different. Nobody is asking you to eat less, although it's not a bad idea many times. But even if you don't change a thing, what he wants from you is that you should add the thought, L'Shem Shamayim. It's so easy, because you already did the hard work. You paid good money for kosher food. Glad kosher surely costs more. And you're making brachas before and after. No question that you do a lot of things to eat according to halakha. So what will you add in expense if you add on one thought? I am eating in order to serve you, Hashem. What do you lose by thinking that thought? Nothing. And so, when you sit down to a table of good food, and you're full of an appetite, and you say, I'm going to eat L'Shem Shamaim in order that I should be able to have koach to serve you, Hashem. Don't think it's hypocrisy. It's just being smart. That's what HaKadosh Baruch Hu wants. I'm eating lahabrot et haguf to make the body healthy. Kedei shi'ucha lavod et Hashem. Memorize those words once more. Hinini oichel kedei lahabrot et haguf. Kedei shi'ucha lavod et Hashem. Now your wife shouldn't hear it. She'll laugh at you. You're a faker, she'll say, unless she comes here to these lectures. If she's here in the women's section, so you're a lucky fellow. But let's say she's home taking care of the children and she doesn't listen to these tapes either. So you'll have to wait till she walks out of the dining room when she walks out to go to the kitchen to get something. Then you should say it. And if you can't shake her off for one minute, she's there with you in the dining room. So say it quietly under your palm. I'm eating this piece of chicken now, this browned potato, in order to have the strength, the health, to serve you, Hashem. And don't worry about your hearty appetite. Say it anyhow. I once spoke about this, and there was a tzaddik, a young man who tried to do it, so he never chewed his food. How can I eat for the sake of heaven if I enjoy it, he said. So I'll swallow whole pieces without chewing it, so I won't enjoy it. Then it will really be l'shem shamayim. Until finally he became ill, and the doctor told him to stop. Do you know why he became sick? He was being punished. You think Hashem wants you to swallow without enjoying it in order to eat l'shem shamayim? 
L'shem Shammai means you could sink your teeth into that food and really enjoy it. Ve'achalta, let the saliva run. Let the stomach juices run. Enjoy it. Visavata, go to town. But while you're enjoying it, add the intent that you're doing it to be healthy in order to serve Hashem. When you're about to go to sleep, what can you lose if you add the thought, I am doing this now in order to be healthy and to get up tomorrow morning and serve HaKadosh Baruch Hu with a rested mind and body. And even though it's not true, you're going to sleep because sleep is fun. You're falling off your feet. And L'Shem Shamayim or not, you can't wait to put your head on the pillow. Say it anyhow. I am going to sleep to have strength and energy to serve you, Hashem. Add on the intention of L'Shem Shamayim. You know sleep is one of the biggest benefits that we enjoy in our lives. Sweet sleep is more important than medicines because at nighttime, your worn out nerves become mended. Everything in the body is restored by sleep. And therefore, why should you sleep like a cat sleeps or like a Gentile sleeps? By means of adding one little thought before you drift off into slumberland, your entire sleep is now transformed. You are healing yourself for our Kalash Baruchu now. Not only sleep. The Chida in one of his Sephardim says, If you like to take walks, so why shouldn't you think when you're beginning your walk that you're doing it for Avodah Hashem? You're exercising or maybe you want to pick up your spirits or think about the Niflais Havodah. Whatever it is, add that thought. When you go to work, if you have children, so you're bringing up children, you have to pay Schar Limud in Yeshivas in Beis Yaakov. It costs money to run a Jewish home. Certainly you can think these thoughts. Why shouldn't you? Don't just think of your career of putting money in the bank. Even if you put money in the bank, overlay those deposits with L'Shem Shamayim. Someday your daughter will want to bend Torah. It costs money to support a son-in-law who learns. It costs money if you want to go to the kolel in your later years in life. It's a good idea, by the way. Some people do that. Whatever it is, you'll need money for some good purpose. So do it, L'Shem Shamayim. Otherwise, you're slaving away for nothing. It's nimeset umitoevet. Especially today, when you're working mostly for the government. The IRS is taking away a quarter of your income. More than that, which means that of the 12 months in the year, you're working three months, maybe four months for the government for government programs. It means that your money goes to support other people who don't work. The silliest thing is welfare. What does welfare spending mean? It means you're inviting all the poor to the big cities. Welfare is an incentive for them to come and settle in your cities where they can loaf all day. So they come, and now the politicians want their votes, which means that we'll have to pay even more taxes so these people can loaf and live on welfare checks. All these kind-hearted things that the liberals are doing to encourage criminals, they're doing it with the money they take out of our pockets. And so a factory worker who doesn't think that's what he's doing. He's working for the loafers, for the liberals, for the wicked politicians. When a father slaves all week in the factory or in his office and he doesn't think at all, He's practically wasting his life. But now, you want to transform your life into Avodah Hashem. How can you do it? The answer is what we're talking about right now. Practice up on adding some thought, L'Shem Shamayim. If only we would add a little bit of this thought. I'm doing this in order to raise up a generation of Shoim Rei And let him think about it as frequently as he can. When he opens up the office or the store, 
in the morning. He thinks that. And then a couple of times during the day to refresh his memory. I once spoke to a dentist about that. I said, you're helping mankind. Think about that a few times during the day. You're serving the Almighty, I told him. He heals all flesh. And you're serving him by healing people. You are an emissary of Hashem. You know what that dentist could have accomplished with a little bit of thinking? He would have become a true Oyved Hashem. But he looked at me with such intelligence, like this wall looks at me. I tried it again at other visits, but nothing went in. At least I tried. Do you have to change what you're doing? No, no change. You go through all the motions of your workday. You're busy in the office, or maybe you're laying down carpet, or painting, or installing pipes. Whatever it is, you're trying to make some profit. But you're adding some thought to it, too. That's the best profit. When a mother feeds her child, if she does it like the lady next door does it, Mrs. Dominic also feeds her child. Mrs. Leventino also feeds her child with compassion. So if Mrs. Levine and Mrs. Cohen also do the same, so what is their greatness? That's why Tzidduf is so important. When a Jewish woman will feed the child because she is an emissary of the one who is Poteach es yadecha umasbiya lechol He opens up his hand and he satiates all the living. A mother opens up her hand. And she feels that her hand is the hand of Hashem. You know what that means. She has taken a simple act that everybody does and she has elevated it into one of the great forms of service to HaKadosh Baruch Hu. Everything in life is now different. Everything becomes noble. Otherwise, we're just machines. We're just cogs in a machine. Like the Gentiles all over the world are working and supporting children and feeding them and marrying them off. Italians also want nachas from their children. Italians also feed their children. But when the Jew does it, not because of selfish motives. Now you can't help being selfish. But if in addition to the selfish motive, if you're able to add one more thought, I'm doing it for Hashem too. So all of your deeds are now transformed by that intent. The intent is the heart of the deed. We're not telling you to refrain from doing things. Yes, sometimes you have to stop doing certain things. Sometimes you cannot do certain things if you want l'shem shamayim. But in general, almost everything that we do anyhow, we can make great. It doesn't mean you can't enjoy life. Enjoy! You can be happy. You can make a lot of money. Nothing wrong. Where do you find in the Gemara any place that it's wrong to make money? It's wrong to be rich? It's wrong to be happy? No! It's a fundamental error to think it's wrong. A man can marry a pretty wife. He doesn't have to take the ugliest wife that he can find and say, I'm marrying only L'Shem Shamayim. It's a big mistake that people make in Peshat. You can marry a pretty girl. You can make money. You can eat a big lunch and fall asleep on a comfortable pillow. Why not? Only that you should add some intent. While you're doing it, you're doing it anyway. You shouldn't waste your life. You add the intent, L'Shem Shamayim. So you say, well, he's a faker. He's not doing it for Shamayim. He wants to make money. He wants to eat a good lunch. He likes making money. He likes to nap. No, that's a mistake. It's a big mistake. That's what we're saying now. You can add an intent even though it's not your sole intent. It's not hypocritical. HaKadosh Baruch Hu doesn't expect you to give up your livelihood, your good life. But while you're busy living that life, why not add the intention of doing it for some noble purpose, for the service of Hashem? And that's how everything you do becomes ennobled. 
It becomes sublime, and your life is now packed with accomplishment. You can change all the copper of your life into gold just by the alchemy of adding this thought. I'm doing it, L'Shem Shamayim. Now, there's another piece of this subject that must be included when we talk about L'Shem Shamayim. And it's something that is often overlooked. And that is Shamayim. You have to believe in Shamayim. You have to know that there's Hashem Bashamayim if you want to do things L'Shem Shamayim. And that brings us to the Choyves Halavavas on this subject. The Choyves Halavavas, as you know, is one of the chief textbooks in Avodas Hashem. You don't need me saying it. It's well known that the Chasam Soifer, Zichron Levracha, before every shear he gave, he gave a daily shear. He said a shear on Choyves Halavavas every day. Because what he says in that Sefer, that's the manual for successful Torah living. Now, the Chayvus Lubavus consists of ten shiarim, ten main subjects. Each subject has a number of chapters, but there are ten main shiarim. And if this great guide that the Jewish nation has followed for almost a thousand years, if he divides the subject into ten main divisions, so we understand that each one is of the utmost importance, it's not a minor manner that comes under some other heading. If it's one of these ten subjects, then it's one of the most important of all subjects. And one of these ten subjects is called Shar Yichud Hamaisa, the gate of single-minded devotion, about living our lives as much as possible, L'Shem Shamayim. Now when the Chayvus Elavavah speaks about Yichud Hamaisa, we have to know he means much more than what you heard from me tonight. Everything that was said by me is included in his words, and he says much more too. He says it better, too. But in addition, there's something there. A new area that the Chayvah Salavavs includes under the heading of L'Shem Shamayim that we ourselves wouldn't have thought of. It wouldn't have even entered our minds to include it under this heading. What is it? He explains that included in L'Shem Shamayim is that when we do the service of Hashem, it's important for us to do it with conviction. With conviction that there is a Hashem Bashamayim. You hear that word? Conviction. We have to be convinced that everything we are working for is actually true. That it's absolutely so. We shouldn't have any sfekas, any doubts at all. And he spends a good deal of time on this subject of Amuna. He dilates there on all forms of Yetzir Hara, all the sfekas in the Amuna that a person might have. He says, for example, that the Yetzir Hara is going to try to persuade you that there is no afterlife. And he says that you must therefore spend time reinforcing your belief in Oilam Abba. And he brings in also the importance of believing that Hashem is one. What it means, Hashem Echad. And included in that, to know that Hashem exists and that He is in control. All the principles of Amuna he speaks about. Now we don't understand that. How does that come into Shar Yichud We're not talking now about Amuna. We're talking about serving Hashem L'Shem Shamayim. Amuna is a very good thing. It's excellent, but it belongs in some other section, we think. And yet, right here in this section, the Chayvah Salavavas parades before our eyes all of the Yisaitis of Amuna one by one. He says, for example, if the Yetzir Hara will try to persuade you that there's no afterlife, or that this world is what's important, so he tells you what you should think about and how to answer it. 
And he warns us not to ignore the Yetzir Hara. He says it's like a snake that bites a man, Khalila. You can't ignore that bite because the poison is going to spread, even though you want to ignore it. And therefore, if the Yetzir Hara gives you a bite, and he's biting all of us, it's not enough to say, I don't want to think about these things. It's not enough. Because even if you do ignore it, and you keep doing, you fulfill everything. But it's a chisoron. It's a lack of l'shem shamayim. And that's a poison that spreads. It infiltrates into everything that you do. Because when a person is eating l'shem shamayim, or working l'shem shamayim, even putting on tefillin l'shem shamayim, but he has doubts. So what kind of l'shem shamayim is there? Of course, it's something, but it's missing the foundation. And therefore, just like we want to add on layers of L'Shem Shamayim over everything that we do, it's just as important that there should be an underlayer, an underpinning of Amuna that is supporting everything that you do. You have to serve Hashem with full conviction. That's the rock bottom, the substrate of everything. And because today, the whole world is full of apikurses, this underpinning of L'Shem Shamayim is especially important for us. You'd be surprised... Who has these fakers inside of him? People have spoken to me. Outside, he looks like a tzaddik gomer. But I see that he's empty. He doesn't have any conviction. He's thinking maybe this is true, or maybe that. Christianity, evolution, other things. Could be he does things l'shem shamayim. But he has no conviction in shamayim. The truth is that anybody who knows a little bit knows that it's kulo sheker. We should be convinced enough that we laugh at all of the ideals of the Umas Ha'olam. At least as smart as Montezuma we should be. Montezuma was an Aztec emperor. There's a story that when the conquistadors came to the Aztecs and they wanted to convert the emperor, so he said, tell me about your God. And he listened intently to the whole story. Finally, they came to the end and they told him how he was crucified. Montezuma smiled at that. You mean he died? He laughed. What kind of business are you offering me? A god who was born from a woman, and then finally, he died too. He laughed. (laughs) And evolution, that's even a bigger laugh. Here is what one of their authorities said. The probability that life could arise from non-life is the probability, not one chance in ten, to the 450th power. Now, if you know mathematics, 10 to the 450th power is such a big number that it is impossible to record it. All the letters in all of the books, in all of the libraries are not enough. Not only that, but all the atoms in the universe are not as big as that. That big of a number. There are not enough atoms in the universe to fill that number. So it means the chances that life should arise from non-life are so slim that the probability is absolutely zero. That's all they can say. So how is it possible that people can have any kind of suffix about such a stupid idea that life happened by accident? The answer is, we have to fortify ourselves. Everyone has to convince himself to be rock solid in his convictions. That's what the Chachamim said. You have to know what to answer the Apikores. I once heard from my Yeshiva when I was in Slobodka in Europe. He said, it doesn't mean you go and talk to that Apikores. Talk to this Apikores, the one inside of you. Know what to answer the Apikores inside of you. And there's plenty to answer. The Chayvis Lavavis himself gives us a great deal of material about that. If you're capable, you should read it inside. Or you can come to these lectures if you want. I'm not saying only mine. There are other places too. Whatever it is. 
when people start on the quest of fortifying their hearts, they'll surely succeed. Because habalatar misayinlo, if you have good intentions, Hakadosh Baruch Hu will help you succeed. If people are interested in learning these things, they can find many Tana de Messiahle to support the Amuna. You don't have to go to the books. From nature, just with your own eyes, it's amazing what you could see that will convince you of a Baide. Not only that, with your own eyes, you can see so much plan and purpose that it makes you become convinced that there's a world after this life. I always say that you can prove the world to come from a watermelon seed. If there's so much plan and purpose, such infinite plan and purpose, just in a watermelon seed. So how can you say the whole world is chaotic and purposeless? The watermelon seed says that it's impossible. Certainly everything in the world is perfectly planned. So what kind of perfect planning is there if a Hitler can murder six million innocent for nothing just out of plain wickedness? Deviltry. And then, when he sees that the Allies are beginning to close in on him, so he takes a perfumed poison and he floats off out of this world and escapes punishment? Is that a plan? Is that a design? Can't the one who made an apple seed make a better plan for this world than that? The answer is, certainly. There's a beautiful plan here. And therefore, there's no question that Hitler is burning in Gehenna for now and until forever. And if anybody will have the slightest doubt of that. He is contradicting all the purposefulness of creation, all the wisdom that we see in this world. It's axiomatic that in a wise and purposeful world, the wicked will not get away just by dying from the retribution that they deserve for their misdeeds. If everything is so perfectly planned and so perfectly designed, then it's absolutely clear that there's schar ve'onesh, that all accounts will be settled to the utmost perfection. And therefore, that's part of the great job of Shlemus Aleif, fortifying the Amuna in all of the Torah principles. And on this, the Chayvis Alavavis spends almost the entire section. Ah, that's a new aspect of Kavana L'Shem Shamayim. Not only the things we spoke about before, about adding the thought of L'Shem Shamayim, but to be convinced about Shamayim, to be convinced of the Amuna. That's the great program for the life of a from Jew. Whatever he's doing, he's always adding on a layer of L'Shem Shamayim, no matter what. Even if it's the thinnest layer, like the Shem Shamayim of the one who won't eat blood. That's what HaKadosh Baruch Hu wants. And as much as he practices living with this important principle, more and more, so the layer of L'Shem Shamayim gets thicker and thicker. It penetrates downward too. It becomes more and more real, more and more true. And at the same time, he's building up the foundation of L'Shem Shamayim. He's strengthening the underpinning of all of his Avoida by means of strengthening all of the Yisoyde Emuna. And that's why, when we turn to the very end of that great section of Yichud Amaitha, we hear his parting admonition and description of the pinnacle of success. al Kane, he says, you have to be careful to fulfill with all of your abilities all of the things that I told you until now. And what's going to be the result of that? Maybe you'll succeed that one day your deeds will be entirely devoted to Hashem. And it will be accepted by a Baruch Hu with a favorable acceptance. And you will be zoiche to the promise in this week's parsha, Laman Yitavlach, in order that Hashem should be good to you.
Ubanecha acharecha. And to your descendants after you. Have a wonderful Shabbos. Let's get practical. Five layers a day. Because my day is filled with opportunities to add Kavana L'Shem Shamaim, I will Blineder make sure every day to find five different activities that I'm doing anyhow, and I will say it with my mouth. I am doing this L'Shem Shamaim, and I will add as many details as possible in order to make it genuine. Even if it feels fake and hypocritical, I will continue to do it until it begins to sink into my conscience.